So this is All Things Tibet Podcast. I'm Brittany. <laughs> I'm Taylor. <laughs> Taylor, why are you so nervous? We've literally only been talking about this for one day. Okay, so for anybody who knows us, shout out to our Discord fam who goes by the same name, the same server is the same name. Taylor gets a little giddy when she gets excited about things. So she's worked herself up all day about this podcast, and I mean all day, to now... It's all boiled over into this congealed glob of, I don't know, nerves and emotions. Have the giggles. Is now you're happening. just unrecognizable. Because I'm excited to be doing this with you, Brittany. That's, that's what it is. I know. So we had worked on a, another podcast that never got off the ground. And we recorded an episode about Tina. We were just talking about that. Tina Canardin. And we filmed it for over an hour. I think it ended up about an hour and 10 minutes. Of us just yeah. going back and forth about our analysis of Tina. We'll end up exploring that more. But why don't we talk a little bit about what this podcast is all about? I'm going to hand it over to you. Oh, wow. That's okay. No pressure. Well, I mean, it's kind of in the title. Like... Yeah, but what if people, what if someone stumbles upon this and they don't know what they say Tibet? What is that? Oh, well, it's... Bette Porter and Tina Kennard from The L Word and their amazing, complicated, insane relationship. So The L Word premiered back in 2004 and ran through 2009 via Showtime. The two characters that we're going to be talking about, and we're probably going to talk about the actresses too, just because for me personally, I'm I'm just as obsessed with them as I am with Tibet. Jennifer Beals plays Bette Porter and Laurel Holloman plays Tina Kennard. And we watched them for six seasons in the original show. And then in 2019, Gen Q was the reboot with the new showrunner, the L Word Generation Q, same network, Showtime. And this couple that we followed all this time ends up with this rather shocking status as of now one could say, say the least <laughs> one could say but we're going to take it back in time in this podcast and we're going to start from the beginning of tina and bet and yes. we're going to talk about them from where we know them from day one and that's when they first started trying to conceive their first child that's we're taking it way back why do we love tibet so much why do you love tibet so much shaylor why do i love tibet so much for me, I think it it comes because I have this really personal connection with the character of Tina. I really mm -hmm. re relate to her a lot, which is not something that I have found outside of our little group of friends mm -hmm. <laughs> to be a very popular opinion. Oh, yeah. However, I really relate to her a lot. I think I appreciate her kindness and her warmth and just her heart. I think I was watching that full extended version of the Entertainment Weekly reunion. And one of the journalists was like, Tina's like the emotional center of the show. And I was like, yeah, you're right, random mm -hmm. EW lady. <laughs> That's what she is. And so I think that for me, it's nice to see a character that you identify with have this sort of epic love story yeah. and have this really dynamic 
flawed, amazing character fall in love with you. Yeah. In a nutshell, I think that's what I I really love about them. Well, and you, I mean, you relate to Tina in more ways than one. One being that you yourself are an actress. Yes. And yes. so it, Tina Kennard is a present day, she's this high class television executive, whatever, right? On a show that they describe as like Game of Thrones. But yeah. I mean, Game of like, Thrones, but shot in Toronto, which yeah. is, <laughs> I have so many questions about that. <laughs> but even way back when we first met Tina, you know, she just left work. She was trying to get pregnant. That was their focus when the show first started, but she was in, she's been in the biz for a long time. Yeah. And I think we'll get to this more when obviously we delve into Tina's past more, I guess. It's important to note that when we have a flashback to when she and Bet first meet, she is already the head of development at a production company. And I think by my math, she's like 25 or something like that, somewhere around there. Yeah. And that's like really impressive. She would be like maybe a couple of years out of grad school Mm-hmm. And she's already the head of development at a studio. That's incredible. Yeah. So and the, I think that's cool. And as we know, like the series spends so much time building Beth's character when yeah. there's these holes of like time that we just never really know exactly what happened with Tina. Like how yeah. in the world did she get into the TV biz? How did she make the decision to really walk away from her career given that she was so far along. And I think what's interesting is that even back in 04 and even a show that was centered around lesbian relationships specifically, right? Mm-hmm. There was still this pull to like have Tina and Bet have these stereotypical husband and wife type roles. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tina was the stay at home mom or she was anticipating to be. And right she left her work and and she was submissive and she was this and that's how they that's how they framed her character in season one of course we see that change over time but yeah I mean we know that the original L Word series didn't get it all right by any means but they tried I'm sure I'm sure we will have a whole episode on (laughs) the biphobia of the original L word. Oh yeah, exactly. Or at least I will. You don't even have to be here for that. Just turn on my microphone and I will rant for a full, however long our episodes ends up being. Yeah. I know you, I know you have a lot to say about that. I do. I do. I know. So I started watching the L word back in 2018. I found it on Netflix and I remember when I first found out about the L word it was I didn't realize it then but it was the elevator scene uh, for Tina and Beth there was a YouTube clip of them online and I'm like whoa this is spicy what is this I didn't know what to expect with the show like does this show even have any plot am I just watching porn it's on Showtime what's what's this all about and I remember getting hooked in initially because of Beth because of Jennifer Wheels I mean who isn't she's gorgeous right yeah I have this conversation with our friends in the fandom all the time. It's like, you just get drawn into her beauty because she's so breathtaking. She always has been. Mm-hmm. She still is to this day. It's like she ages in reverse. Yep. But as time went on, I really just started to like to bet a lot. And I tell this story a lot, but I remember watching up until end of season two, early season three. And as we know that three and four can be pretty painful to watch, especially if you're a big Tibet fan. Yeah. But 
I got to that point and I was like, oh my gosh, they're not together. I got to see what happens. So I just scrolled through every episode. So I found <laughs> when they were together and I landed on the Shebar kiss and I was like, number one, who the hell is Jody? And number two, please <laughs> tell me that these two are getting back together for good. So yeah, I eventually went back and watched it again, like in order. Yeah, that had, had to be kind of like a culture shock <laughs> for sure yeah but i had to know i couldn't wait that just kind of imp- that kind of shows how patient i am so we talked we met because of the l word i mean we met because yeah. of tibet we met because of twitter i don't know do you want to share a little bit about what you do with the show like your hobbies outside why of- do you always gotta out me as a role I, player, I mean Brittany? you here's the deal here's the deal you're going to be editing this, so you can choose if you want to keep it in. That's kind of why I... You know se- what? That's I really se- true. I, it's like kind of why I segued into it. Like, you can choose. I think so it's I important to know. I mean, out. Jesus, that's how I met you. You were role-playing Tina. You were role-playing yeah. Tina on Twitter. So, yeah. do you want to talk about it, or... Sure. Just that? <laughs> Make it sound I like mean, I'm going to therapy. Well, I mean, you could talk about... You could also talk about the fact that you're a fanfic writer. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> Would you like to talk about your role play habit, Taylor? (laughs) Like, No, um, I guess I'll share my little Genesis story of how I got into it, I guess. So I've been role playing, which for those of you who don't know, no, it's not a sex thing. I mean, it is, but it's not in this context. It's where you like write from a character's point of view. Like you write one character and another person writes another and you basically just write stories together and it's really cool and fun. And I had a friend who was just really into the L word and she actually role-played Bet. And I had another character from like a different show that interacted with her and I actually similarly to Brittany was so captivated by how gorgeous Jennifer Beals was I was like okay she's gorgeous and she's a lesbian I need to look into this show Mm -hmm. and so I did that and the second Tina came onto my screen I was like that's gonna be the character yeah and then because I loved both of those characters it was just kind of got invested and and yeah and so then I picked up writing Tina and I have about a thousand Twitter accounts maybe and, one day and- we'll drink before we record and we'll tell everybody the true story about why you have so many Tina accounts oh my god and you can choose if you're going to include this audio too <laughs> dear god that yeah, I would need a couple of drinks before. Yeah. Actually, that. I wouldn't need any. I could be stone cold sober. <laughs> you might need a couple of drinks. Yeah. Hmm. So when did you start watching L Word? 2019, I think. Okay. It was basically one of my pandemic shows. Mm. It was like the first one I kind of binge watched during the pandemic. So oh, I'm so like, 20, I'm, I'm real new. Oh, yeah. 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 I know whatever whatever year the pandemic yeah. was I time mean, isn't real yeah, anymore what is time we don't even yeah. whatever so okay so you just started watching it last year and it, neither of us are really in a situation where we're like out to the world but the l word is the whole reason how I I mean not the whole reason there's a bigger story there but one of the main reasons how I figured out that I'm absolutely 100% bisexual no doubt about yeah. it yeah no doubt yeah. about it 
I'd like to thank Jennifer Beals and Laura Holloman to the a gift that they gave to the world and probably making many women realize that uh, that they're a little gay. So why do I love Tibet? Did I say why I love Tibet? No, you didn't. I didn't. So a lot of people, why do you love Tibet, yeah. Brittany? So a lot of people will say I can relate to the character because of X, Y, Z or reminds me of my relationship. And I can say that that's not the case for me. Like, first of all, I'm married to my high school sweetheart who is a man. I don't, I, I guess I could find myself relating to some aspects of their characters. But for me, the big seller is just their chemistry. For some reason, if you're coming across this podcast and you haven't watched it, just pick a scene, right? Like just pick a scene that Jennifer and Laurel are in together. When you see Teen on Bat, it's just this undeniable force. There's something different. Mm-hmm. They say it all the time. It's like lightning in a bottle. And they talk, both of them in interviews talk so passionately about this relationship that they have. And mm-hmm. it's evident in the fact that we saw them reunite after 10 years of Laurel not even acting And it was like, no time had passed. Yeah, it was right there. And who knows how much work they did beforehand because they did say that they met and whatever. But I think when it comes to them, it's pretty effortless. Yeah. They just know those characters so well. Yeah. And I mean, you can't fake that much chemistry. No. Like you can fake some of it. I'm Mm -hmm. an actor. That's part of the job. But you cannot fake that much chemistry and that intense chemistry Mm -hmm. and it's also evident in the relationships that they have otherwise in the show and otherwise in their acting careers I mean I think Laurel does a good job we talk about this a lot in our little our little group about how Laurel doesn't have a bad sex scene in the L word because she has other sex scenes with other folks but it's true Jennifer can't really seem to sell it especially not with other (laughs) women she just can't I mean, she tries and she, she's successful a couple times in the show, but yeah, for the most part, fine. she has a hard time with it. Yeah. Got a really hard time with it. I mean, and when we talk about chemistry, like, yeah, there's sexual chemistry there, no doubt, but even just the way they look at each other, sometimes it's mm-hmm. like they could, they're filling the room with so, they have so much to say and all they're doing is glancing at each other. It's, it's a pretty cool mm-hmm. thing to watch. Yeah, you can see all the years that they have lived together. Oh, yeah. In every glance, touch, (laughs) whatever. Mannerism, the way they speak to each other, the way they say each other's names, like you can just tell. Yeah, and And it doesn't matter if at that point they are together or not. Yeah, it never does. Always like that. Like, if I were one of their significant others, which I guess we're going to find out, if I were dating one of them, I would feel very uncomfortable watching the two of them interact, just because there is so much chemistry there. It is charged when they are in a room together. 100%. It's somehow, it's just always forgivable. Somehow, the entire first series... There was all these very intimate moments that they were near one another. Like I think about the moment in season four when they're very affectionately hugging each other on the couch. And oh yeah. In. And and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I was Jody walking into that, I would have been feeling very. And at that point, they weren't even fucking around. But I would have been feeling very suspect that there was something going on, and it was just like, no, that's just who they are. 
Yeah. It's like either good for full- you for being so confident in yourself, Jody, but like you had it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention it's like either they're super overly affectionate with each other, best of friends, beyond close, drop everything, fly to a different country to go mend one's wounds, or they just are not getting along. Yeah. It's so the highs and lows of them is uh yeah. Lot. there's a lot to be said there or or they're they're throwing tables at each other i mean truly yeah truly and you he know deserved it it's true and we'll talk about that i mean you you're definitely team tina i i am too but i'm also a very just a very big laura holloman fan so i think that kind of just bleeds over into the fact that i kind of go for tina but also just because we know Beth's character so much better than we know Tina's because the character mm-hmm. development is there and we know so much about her backstory, especially and like the experiences that she's been through and with Tina, it's kind of limited. A lot of what Beth does really makes me mad. Yeah. And to Jennifer's credit, she owns that. I think yeah. that's something that I really respect as both a fan and an actor. Mm-hmm. That is something that I really respect about the way that both Jennifer and Laurel work is that they have both been very open about the fact that their characters are flawed mm-hmm. because human beings are flawed yep. and they're happy to explore those flaws and not feel this need to make their character perfect. Yep. Personally, I think the fandom could take a note from that. Yeah, there tend to be a lot more Bette Porter fans than Tina Kennard fans. And folks tend to blame Tina a lot for the issues that they have. It's astonishing, astonishing how one of the biggest, if not the biggest conflict that they had in the entire show was when Bette had an affair. Yep. But these Bette enthusiasts, they all seem to like have amnesia about it anytime the topic comes up. Yeah, or like it doesn't matter because Beth's hot or something. Like Like she just has the right to hurt whoever she wants. Right. And like Tina should be so lucky. Right, and God forbid Tina decide that something in their relationship isn't working. Yeah. She's insane. How could she leave the best lesbian to ever live? But as we know, and, and Jennifer Beals said it, several months ago when she was on the pants pop it's only tina for bet doesn't matter that Mm -hmm. bet is like this powerhouse lesbian everybody wants to describe her as an alpha but when it comes to tina she's not no at all no and i think that's part of what makes them such an interesting couple is there are so many times when bet just crumbles around Tina. And that is really the only time we see that in her character. Mm -hmm. There are so many scenes with Tina where Tina will just look at her and say, I know you're anxious or I know Mm -hmm. you're worried or you're upset. And Bet does not show that to anyone Mm -hmm. except for Tina. Yep. And I I think there's something really powerful in the fact that Tina says that that's what she loves about her. Yeah. And I think that typically you don't like perceive Beth as soft unless she's around Tina. When she's around Tina, she's the softest. The only times you ever see her that vulnerable is either around Tina or around Angie. That's it. Yes. And, And she is fiercely protective 
of that, of her reputation. We know that about mm-hmm. her. And she tries very hard to uphold it. But what we also know about her is that she always tries so hard to uphold it that that ends up being a bigger job than anything else. Right. So we are doing this podcast because we could talk about these two till the end of time. Yep. And still have more to say when time ran out. And because we love them. Period. Yeah. And I think... I don't want to say we're at a good place because they are very much not right now. Right, right. But I think it's a good time to discuss why this relationship is so important today. Yeah. And I think for you and I, because we both are quote unquote latecomers, if you want to say that. Yeah. Not just in fandom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> but I think it it's important to talk about that because it's easy to go well obviously it was a big deal back in 2004 because gay people weren't really on tv and that's Mm -hmm. important and we need to acknowledge that and I think a lot of the times when discussing the flaws of the original series which is also important you can hold both of those things together progress comes in steps and so I think it's it's important now, especially with all of the emotions and the feelings that are going on surrounding them currently not being together, mm-hmm. to say, why does this matter? Why does this couple from 2004 matter in 2021? It's also important to note that we are newcomers, but we're pretty intensely involved in this fandom. Yes. Like, whether we intended to be or not, here we are. And yep. also, if you're a part of the Tibet fandom, you know that there tends to be this division, right? Where like some people are on the far end saying that they're not even acknowledging Gen Q. Gen Q didn't happen. The story ended in 2009. Tina and Bet sailed off into the sunset. They're in New York, married somewhere. Kit, Bet's sister's not dead. I mean, we're talking about like a whole rewrite. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have people who despise Tibet. They don't want to see them together. They label them as toxic, whatever. But I think you and I do a good job, even though we are very passionate about this couple, I think that we do a good job recognizing the reality of it. Yes. As much as we want Tibet to be together in the end, and I think they will be, I think you believe that too. Mm -hmm. It's not out of the scope of possibility that they would have ended up divorced at some point. No. In my mind. No, mine, mine either. The thing for me about the divorce is I think blaming it on Laurel's schedule is lazy. Yeah. I don't think that's a good reason because they easily could have just kept her on set and been like, Tina's in Toronto working on her TV show. Mm-hmm. And Tina doesn't have to be there. It's fine. Mm-hmm. However, I agree that there are things in their relationship even at the end of season six that could easily have grown into something that would have pushed them apart. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. And it's important to acknowledge the reasons that some fans call them toxic, because I think there are legitimate reasons for that. I'm sure we will probably discuss those many a time, Yeah, but again, both can be true. Yeah. And real relationships are like that. They're not perfect. And mm-hmm. that I think is one of the reasons why 
this couple more than any other couple in the L word is important is Mm -hmm. because they're not perfect, but they're epic. And to have that deep love and also those deep, deep flaws and those deep, deep wounds, Mm -hmm. I think is a thing that does not get represented for anyone very much. Nevertheless, LGBTQ couples. And I think while we will be going in chronological order of the show, it's hard to talk about the past without also talking about the present, right? So what we know to be true is that whether they're together or not, they're family, they're connected, they're never not one. You can see that in so many ways. There's so many examples of that when they weren't actually together and they still functioned as if they were. And I still believe even to today in the show, even though Tina's off and she's engaged with someone else, Bet is going through a lot of her own personal stuff. I still think present day, they would say the most important person in their world outside of their daughter is each other. I mean, yeah. Jesus, Tina came back to the show and she didn't even tell her fiance, like, the entire, the entirety of why she came back. She kept it very low key when it was actually very high key. There was a, there was a stressor going on there and something tells me she downplayed it to her. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is Tina is not a dishonest character. No. So right there, the proof is in the pudding. You know that Tina is still holding on to feelings for Bet because why would she downplay that? Right. If there were no feelings, there would be nothing to hide. Exactly. She could just be like, yeah, Angie called me. Something happened with Bet. I need to go see what's going on. Yep, exactly. So for her to not say anything, yep. like she literally says, I'm sorry I didn't call you before I left. Yep, yep. Who just, you're engaged to this woman and you just leave the country without telling her? You don't have time to send a text? Maybe yeah. she sent a text. Maybe she didn't pick up the phone. Maybe that's the problem. My belief is still they are going to frame it because we know that Carrie, Rosie O'Donnell, Tina's fiance, is only going to be in the show this season out of 10 episodes. She's only going to be in three. She's already wrapped. That's done. My firm belief is still that Carrie is not going to be okay with the relationship that Tina and Bet still have. Whether it's sexually charged or not, even though I feel like you can't even put them in the same room without there being sexual tension, Take that aside. There's just too much history there. And this is going to be the first time Carrie witnesses it. And I just don't think she's going to be able to take it. Yeah. No matter how you write that character, you can't, you can't stand up to 20 plus years of that emotionally charged relationship that they've had. Yeah. So, like I said, the plan is to go in order of these episodes, but we also obviously know where we're at right now. So it's going to be a lot of like, there's going to be some comparing and contrasting going on, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure, especially because I feel like a lot of the problems that probably led to the divorce mm-hmm. are seeds that are planted in season one. Mm-hmm. And they sort of go away and then they come back. So I think there's definitely going to be some moments where it's like, oh, yeah, that comes back in season six. Or, oh, I bet that came back and led to the divorce. So 
Well, and there's some serious foreshadowing, right? In the one of the very last episodes of season six, when Bet says, oh, I'm looking forward to Tina being the provider or whatever the quote is. And then all of them laugh. Right? Yeah, it's literally all of the people who know Bet best. It is yeah. Tina, Kit, and James who follows Bet into literally like three different jobs. Yeah. He would follow her <laughs> into the depths of hell. No problem. Yeah, yeah. And... The three of them all look at each other and burst out laughing. Yep. Because it yep. is. It's ridiculous to think that Bet Porter is just going to become like a domestic housewife. No way in mm-hmm. hell. One of the points that you made before was about like how strong couples even go through hard times. And I think while it is disappointing that they ended up divorced in the reboot, I also think that once they end up together, because Honestly, I don't know that they could get away with doing it any other way without like mm-hmm. this new showrunners. We can't even say her name without her house just being burned to the ground. I think that also will show triumph in them too, that no matter how many times they they drift apart, they always find their way back to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a real opportunity to fix what maybe the original series didn't. Because I feel like there's a lot of discussion amongst Tibet fans about like, oh, they grew so much over the original series. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But there were still some very big flaws and some bad habits that kind of cropped up again. And so I think it would be really interesting and a very powerful story to tell this thing about these two very flawed people who needed time apart from each other to grow into the people that they needed to be for each other yeah I agree because when you think about it they always seem to find each other again when there was a lot of life transition going on we watch them in series one things seem to be pretty steady with them they don't talk about a whole lot that happened in the first seven years that they were together besides like they traveled a lot together and then they were in Beth's home and they were both working and whatever blah 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 but then Tina is pregnant they're apart they get back together right when the baby's born they separate shortly after a year later you know after Angie turns or six months later mm-hmm. and then down the road even, they get back together and then boom, they're immediately on their way to New York. So yeah. now we're at a point where like, they're somewhat settled. I know Tina's kind of going back and forth between Toronto and LA now, but they're at a point where at least Bet is in one place. I hope that they show that Bet is just grounded this coming season. She yeah. doesn't always have to be doing the next best thing. She doesn't have to be running for mayor or opening a gallery or being a dean of a college. Just put her somewhere that isn't so focused on her career. Like, can we see her just be a mother? Yeah. Can we see her just trying to get her shit together and win back the woman that's love of her life? Could we yeah. see her just do some like personal growth type stuff? <laughs> yeah. Some inner reflection. Is that, Would that be the hardest thing? Because I'm sorry, Tina and Bet having one conversation in an elevator followed by steamy hot sex, that's not the cure to all your issues in a relationship of how, you know, almost a decade at that point. Yeah. Great scene. Amazing scene. The answer to all of their problems. No, (laughs) 
No. And that's unrealistic too, right? And that's the thing. There's these arguments about there needs to be better representation, but at the end of the day, it is still TV. There's right. still going to be some drama. And I think even if they had had them together, season one of Gen Q, something would have come up along the way and they would have been in conflict somehow. Tibet yeah. is never not in some sort of predicament. Right. And I think that's, to me, it wouldn't feel like Tibet if they weren't. Not that mm-hmm. relationships have to be a struggle, but that mm-hmm. I think that's what makes them such a dynamic couple is watching them face these obstacles together and figure out how to overcome them. And to give Bet credit, which you will quickly find out I do very rarely, <laughs> I think she's on her way finally. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I don't remember. I'll have to look up what article this was in. But I remember Jennifer saying something about how the sort of tragedy of the first season of Gen Q is that Bet is finally ready to be someone's life partner in a way right. that she wasn't right. throughout the entire original series. Well, she has some self-actualization that goes on for once. Yes, because, and I've talked about this with you many times, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but because she finally lost her crutches. She lost Kit and she lost Tina. Mm -hmm. And she turned around and she looked at Angie and she realized, I have to get my shit together. Or I'm going to lose her too. I mean, Angie's at an age where she very well could have just said, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, there's, there's better ways that they could have gone about handling Laurel's absence from acting at the time. We are fortunate that at this point, because her art careers and her shows are kind of on hold that she's able to act in season two. So we'll Mm -hmm. see more of her. Thank you, Laurel. Yeah. I think that for those who say we couldn't even recognize Bette Porter and there is more to this character than her just being this in-your-face intense lesbian. She is more than that. She's more than just this beautiful, majestic being. Deep down, she has some shit like we all do. We just spend so much time glamorizing the fact that she is so gorgeous and whatever which like she is she is i'm not downplaying that hello but she's also a person too i think they're doing a better job of that at least exploring mm-hmm. that more with bet and they did a better job i would say in gen q season one than they did in most of the seasons in the original series yeah oh yeah yeah i guess my question to to those fans would be why would you want your representation to be unattainable Yes. That doesn't make sense to me. Your fave can be problematic and that's okay. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is that, for instance, when we watched season one of The L Word, we saw that Bet ends up in an affair and Mm -hmm. they do a great job honing in on like the secrecy of that, right? All the hype that led up to her and Candace finally having sex and whatever, right? Whereas... They look at it in a much more real light in Gen Q when she's having an, well, she's not having an affair technically. The woman she's sleeping with is having an affair 
on her husband, yeah. but technically bet single, right? So they look at it more from like a problematic standpoint in Gen Q that like, look at, she's still the same as she was. Like she's still fighting the same demons that she was. And I don't want to say right. she's the same because I think she's had a lot of growth since that time. Yes. But it also just proves a very human aspect of her that you can't let go of some of those demons that hold you back in life. Right. You just can't. And one thing for her is we know that she uses sex as a coping mechanism, right? And she Absolutely. Was, she was in the fucking dumps at that point. Her sister died. She's going through a divorce. God only knows where her career was at at that point because we know that she was working for was the job that she was in when she, she was um, the head of the department of cultural affairs. And then all of a sudden she's running for mayor and she doesn't seem to be working anymore. So like everything is fucking uprooted for Bette Porter. It's no different than any person who deals with addiction, going back to the bottle, going back to the drug, going back to whatever, because it's so hard to break those habits. And I think that's what makes Bette such a powerful character is the fact that she fights and she fights and she fights. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she fucking loses, but she keeps getting up and she keeps fighting. And I think that to me is a much more interesting story than perfect alpha lesbian can do no wrong. Yeah. Just a sex bot. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's it, right? Like she's just a sexual image. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she's hot and she's sexy. And mm -hmm. that's really all we care about. Yeah. Like, like forget her personality or the fact she deals with every single day, finding the temptations of things that she knows are going to destroy her life. Mm -hmm. like she knows they're not going to make her progress forward. And that's she says thing. she's destructive. She, she knows, knows she that. is. Yeah. She's she says it that. both in season five of the original and in Gen Q. I love that moment in that scene with Shane in Gen Q where she just kind of breaks and she says, I just keep fucking sabotaging myself mm -hmm. because even she can see at that point what a cycle it's become. What's interesting about them is that they're not, we talk about that a lot. Tina is not without her faults. Like she made some really- no questionable choices in the first year no doubt about it the fact Henry. that like now she's just engaged again yeah what see that is the part of the gen q storyline that doesn't make sense to me the divorce makes sense to me carrie not does the, not yeah. make sense to no. me no 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 and i think we're all having a hard time even accepting it because of the actress that they chose to play carrie it doesn't make any sense to us and it, for me, it just has n nothing to do with the fact of like Rosie and her attractiveness level. That's not even what I'm talking about here. I've no. seen Rosie O'Donnell act. I can't see it working with Laurel. I just can't. Yeah. yeah. And it, maybe that's the point, right? Maybe they're just going to show that doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if it's a supermodel or if it's Rosie O'Donnell, it's not going to matter. It's got to be bet. But anyways. While Bet does do a good job of recognizing, usually when she's in the pits of hell, that she's productive, yeah. I will I will say she also does a supreme job of throwing herself a pity party, especially when she's in the presence of Tina. Like in Gen Q, when she says, look around, I'm wrong all the fucking time. It's like, Bet, like, why? <laughs> why are you like this? Because she can't 
handle being called out on the carpet, especially not by Tina. Tina can set her straight. Beck gets so defensive when someone really tries to call her on her shit. Well, and I think with Tina, it is that fact that she sees the broken little girl that is at the core of who Bette Porter actually is. And I think that a lot of times because Bette knows that Tina sees her. She doesn't see Bette Alpha Porter that she projects to the world. She sees who Bette actually is. And that scares the ever-loving shit out of her. And so when she is wrong with Tina, she's even more defensive than she is normally because she knows that she can't bullshit Tina and that Tina sees all of those flaws and being seen like that scares the crap out of her. There's a lot of really interesting things about these two even. Obviously, we're going to have a whole season where we just talk about them. And then another yeah. season, another season. There's going to be an endless amount of episodes. Yeah. By the time people get through like one or two of them, they're going to be like, God, these bitches can talk. And yeah. I'm done hearing it. Like, I don't even care about Tibet this much. Bottom line is, despite their complexities, in light of their complexities and their dysfunctional habits and everything, all the above, how they parent, how they hold themselves, how they are as friends we love them and we can't get enough of them and we could analyze and we will analyze every detail of what they do because they're such a fascinating couple there's a reason we've broken it down by episode right i we mean need when, that kind of time <laughs> we do we do as somebody who has watched that their scenes especially so many times that would be like my suggestion to other fans that are maybe not understanding how they could get to a point in gen q how they could be divorced. Just play it back a couple more times. Like, it's going to make sense. Yeah. Of course, they had this honeymoon period at the end of the series because right. if they didn't have Tibet going out and the end of the original series together, I don't think Eileen Shaken would be with us anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. The lesbians Eileen would, would be dead in a ditch somewhere yes. in LA. They would have rioted. They I mean the lesbians would have rioted back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just like watch them one more time just play it back and recognize that like these are two very imperfect humans and i truly faithfully believe that they'll find their way back to each other agreed but we're going to talk about all the fucked up shit they did along the way oh yeah we are because there's a lot to go through there's there's so much to go through (laughs) season three is going to be painful oh it is yes it is if you are like just thinking about starting the L word or somehow you like stumbled upon this, you can watch along with us and yeah. we'll dissect. <laughs> and even if you have, even if you've already watched the L word, why don't you just watch along with us and we'll go through it week by week. We have a Twitter platform. So maybe we take questions and people make points or maybe we get guests. Who knows? This is our podcast. We can do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. We've been talking for a while, at least an hour. So yeah, why don't we just wrap this up? Otherwise, we're just gonna jump into another hour. And quite frankly, I don't think I have the, I don't yeah. think I have the the gumption to get through another hour right now at this yeah, on a Friday evening fair. talking about Tibet anymore. That's fair. Okay, so we're gonna think of some clever outro. Outro is that right? Outro. Yeah. Being friends I, with me has taught you something. Anyway, this is all things Tibet. I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor. 
And um, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs>